On this episode of The Playbook, I have Jim Heather, CEO of Hyperice, one of the fastest growing and best places to work in sports. And we're going to talk about how, during the pandemic, he was able, with his team, to create partnerships with almost every major league and organization in the world. Join me for all of this and more on The Playbook. This is The Playbook where I give you access each week to the world's greatest athletes and executives about their personal and professional playbook and what has made them champions on and off the field. This is The Playbook. This is a special guest, Jim Heather. He is the CEO of Hyperice, the fastest growing company I know in sports and the best CEO. And the reason I say that is I have an emotional attachment because I have witnessed this entrepreneur grow from the very start Welcome to the playbook, Jim. I appreciate having me on. You know, I'm a big fan of yours. We go back 15 years plus. So I'm honored to be on today. You know, I want to start there because, you know, you're at what I call the chasm of sports. You know, you are with the NBA, uh, Mahomes, the NFL. Your company is growing quickly. You've got funding and everyone looks and says, wow, Jim, he's an overnight success. But as you said, We've known each other for 15, 16 years, and plenty of people have laughed at both of us, scoffed mm-hmm. at both of us, made fun of us, and now they applaud us. And I love the people that, you know, were those people that are like, oh yeah, I knew you could do it the whole time. I'm like, that's really not the way I saw it, but I'm glad that you support me now. Um, I wanna start with how do you keep the focus when, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of voices, including your own, that will tell you what's missing, what's not gonna happen or what other people think is gonna happen. How do you stay so focused on having the perseverance and the allowance to make it happen and allow it to happen at the same time? Great question. And it, it really started really early on for me. And you know, a lot of the grind and the hustle happens and, and nobody sees it, right? People see now the accolades and the NBA partnerships and the funding around everything you articulated. But there's a lot of work and process that happens every day that goes into those type of successes that nobody ever sees, right? And it's really on you as an entrepreneur or a leader, a manager, whatever it is, to stick to your process and to put in the work day to day, knowing that, look, you may not get all the, you know, um, exciting brand buzz hits from the media at some point. But if you put in the work, what you end up getting as a result is going to show up on the field. And, and I go back to my days, you know, when I started in grad school and was working full time pretty much as I was getting my MBA. And uh, I tell the story all the time. I was at AEG, Anschutz Entertainment Group, a group. I was selling event ticket suites, all sorts of different things for the Lakers, Clippers. I sold King Tut tickets. I sold WK Kennis. I sold Velodrome tickets. And we were in a, like a converted storage room making 150 calls a day. And we were calling people who had came to a Jay-Z concert and try to sell them on a velodrome ticket, right? It was very challenging. And from that moment in time, kind of in my first real work experience uh, after college, I said, look, everybody's supposed to make 150 calls a day. I'm gonna make 200. I'm gonna increase my odds. Right. Whether or not I'm just as good as the person next to me, better, whether they're better than I am, I'm going to put in the work. And um, I tell that story all the time to our sales team. But I think you have to look at yourself and hold yourself accountable. Um, if you have big aspirations and big dreams and you want to get to uh, you know, achieve these great goals, um, 
you have to look at yourself and say, I put in the work to get there. I put everything I possibly could into it to get there. And then you feel good about if you didn't get there because you gave it everything. It's the same thing in pro sports, right? Athletes that, you know, they may not make it to the top, but they gave it everything they have. They have no regrets. So I think that's important uh, in the working world um, if you want to achieve your objectives and goals. One of the other things is the persistence of just showing up all the time. So beyond doing extra calls, if you look back to, you know, I'll give Anschutz a little bit of credit, the boiler room, the ticket selling boiler rooms that he had. Um, how many of those percentage wise people that were around you are still doing what they love to do in sports like you? What percentage would you guess from that group of people sitting in that room? Um, there's, there's probably two to three out of 10. And one of them actually is a sports agent now. And we do some work together. Um, and we laugh about this all the time because uh, he's a VP and, you know, we have the funniest conversations about just the days when, you know, 200 calls and you get no phone calls back. Um, but again, I think the people that succeeded in that room were the people that were willing to put in the work at the time and understand that, that um, being successful takes a lot of learning and growth as you go. You can never act like you know everything. Even today for me, Every single day I learn something new and I love that. And I'll tell our team internally, like, I don't know everything at all. I'm learning a ton about international business. I'm diving into China and our business in Asia in a really big way. That's something that I didn't have experience with coming into Hyperice, but I'm going to learn it and that's how I'm going to grow. So I think the relentless pursuit of, of learning, and I know that's very consistent with um, a lot of your methodology, Dave, uh, I think it's very true and very important. And then you moved from AEG, you were a corporate development guy, uh, both at the Sports Concussion Institute where I met you and immediately liked you. Uh, you developed a relationship with me the first time I met that, you know, as a young entrepreneur, a young executive, uh, it was just, you were one of those people that if I saw to call or to help or to let in through, you know, a VIP line. Uh, and I'm not just yeah. saying that because I wanna get into your VIP lines now quid pro quo that I let you into all my parties. No kidding. Uh, what's fun for me is that relationship though. I, I, I really see when you're working with the SEI Sports Concussion Institute and also your development skills at Zenith, uh, which mm -hmm. those guys were like family to me as well. You really developed and understood this idea of how important the relationship was. So I think at AEG, you learn consistent, persistent behavior. Yep. And then you learn the, the emotional intelligence side with these two uh, opportunities and you really, I think flourished in those where everybody knew who you were. And when I brought up your name, Oh, do you know, Jim, everybody would light up. And that's the component I think you can't teach, but I think it's also very, very critical in the sports world, in the sports business world for you. Was it a conscious effort to build those relationships, to be so kind and friendly and nice, or was it just natural from the way you were raised? Or combination? Um, I, I think it was a combination. I mean, I remember, you know, uh, being kind of a captain in sports back in high school and, and when we were young. Uh, I kind of always realized that I never wanted to, no matter how much success, I never wanted to change my approach on how you treat people. Um, you'll never hear me say I, I, I. It's always we as a team. And I feel like that type of kind of energy amongst the team really makes people feel like they're equals and they're working together to accomplish things. 
Um, but I think relationship building has been really important to me uh, throughout my career. And actually every move that I made from AEG to Sports Concussion Institute to Zenith to Hyperice, those opportunities existed because of relationships I had in the previous experience, all of them, right? And I think now one of the things that I'm trying to kind of instill on our team and is really important in my life is you have to make sure that you're generating relationships, not just at the top, it's everybody in the organization because the account executive right now will be a CEO in 10 years. So really looking at that as every person that I interact with is an important relationship, not just somebody who can deliver something to me at this moment in time. And that is really translated. There are a lot of people I worked with early in my career who were managers and now they're VPs, decision makers at major companies who we're working together with. And you've always done a great job of that as well. And I do remember you inviting me to the Super Bowl parties and networking, networking me with pro athletes really early in my career and all that stuff helped. And there's still relationships there that I met through those events that I utilize now. So um, yeah, I think, I think that's really important is just making sure you're not just relationship building at the top, you're kind of bottom up relationship building as well. Yeah, that's the fun thing for me now in this stage of my career is most of the powerful relationships I have are from the little things that I did by giving internships, giving recommendations, lifting up the red rope to let somebody in, whatever I could do, which by the way, some of the people that worked with me would ask me like, why, why, why are you doing that for them? They're not gonna be able to do anything for you. And it wasn't that I expected Jim to be CEO of a really powerful company someday, but it was just the point of being kind that I knew what it was like to be a young executive and how much those bucket list type of opportunities meant to people. And I wanted to share it. It, it wasn't a quid pro quo where I knew, I, I suspected you would be successful, but I know, you know, we did a, a tailgate with Sanchez and some of your boys, there's Berline <laughs> and Fielder and uh, Jen Welter on, on Super Bowl. I tried to do a 30 minute clubhouse just cause I missed all my friends and it went three and a half hours, but it was stories that I forgot. Like even Sanchez, when he was at Clarkson with Lionert and Castle, you know, the little things that I did as they were looking up and now they, they mean something. Now you are CEO now of Hyperice. You didn't start as CEO. And mm -hmm. I remember doing the GoFundMe page or whatever the Kickstarter was. And I got a Lindsey Vaughn signed Hyperice. I still have it by the way. Um, uh -huh. And you know, there's two schools of people, those people that cheer you on and those yep. it's almost like they feel threatened by your success. And mm -hmm. for me, I always focus in on what I wanted and I always cheered other people on because I know by elevating others, you elevate yourself. It took you a long time to build the network that you have. One of the biggest assets I think of Hyperice, number one, technology, you guys have superior technology. And then two, you know, very few companies, especially of your size, have the relationship capital at the highest levels at the NBA, NFL, and Olympics, et cetera. And the one thing that impressed me early on is not only did you have, you know, everyone from Kobe to, you know, Lindsay to, you know, Palama, uh, Troy, Blake Griffin was a big, it, those guys put their money in you, right? Yeah. And that to yeah. me said a lot because I know what it takes just to get in the front door, but to get those guys to give their cash. Why do you think it was so appealing then? And why do you think it's so appealing now to the professional athletes themselves when they're bombarded with opportunities all the time? Great question. I think the athletes are getting more entrepreneurial 
one. I mean, they understand that their voice and their reach can be very valuable for organizations, but they're also a lot more limited in their time now because athletes are training more hours a day. They have more off the field responsibilities. So I do think that we're in a unique place because the athletes truly are connected with the global mission, like helping people move better, helping people enhance performance, helping people with recovery, helping people live better. is just something that's good. I mean, it's good for the world, no matter how you look at it. It's not just good for athletes. And so I think there is uh, an element of this where they've used the products authentically. So they understand that they work, but they want to be part of this big mission where we can change the way humans move and live. And I think that has been what we've done, I think very successfully as a company is articulate the big picture vision and the movement, so to speak, so that people just want to be part of the movement, right? It's not about just selling hypervolts. It's about changing the way people live. And when you get connected to that emotionally, then it just becomes exciting. Um, and then I think going to Patrick Mahomes, like Patrick Mahomes is a great example because Patrick, we, he used our products at Texas Tech um, and represented obviously by Chris and Lee, had the relationship with Lee and Chris for a really long time. That helped bring Patrick onto Team Hyperice, again, a relationship. And there was the trust there that was created through years and years that allowed that opportunity to come to fruition. Obviously he loved the mission, loved the vision, loved the investment opportunity, but for him to invest in the company was pretty, pretty big. Um, and again, it was a combination of those three things, authenticity, the connection with him, the, the long lasting relationships, and then the connection to the movement or the greater overall vision. One of the other things I'm going to brag on you for a second, because, you know, obviously with the pandemic, we had accelerated change and a lot yeah. of people fell to the side, especially in your space. Mm -hmm. But yeah, let me just list out during COVID, the accomplishments of you and Hyperice and your team. Uh, obviously July, and I won't talk about March when you had the Norma Tech deal, because that was pre-COVID, that was already working on. But in July of 2020, you have became the official recovery tech partner of the NBA. Then in October 2020, here's the new list of A-listers, right? From Seth Curry to AD, Anthony Davis, Ricky Fowler, yeah. DeAndre Jordan, Jarvis Landry, Patrick Mahomes, you mentioned, McCaffrey, Morant, Naomi Osaka, Chris Paul, Doc Rivers, Ben Simmons, Kelly Slater, J.J. Watt, Russell Westbrook, and then in October 20 and more, uh, October 20, also, you became the official recovery partner of MLB. <laughs> then in January, of course, you became the first individual NFL team to partner with Hyperice was the Chiefs and you had Mahomes as well. Um, and then also you nailed down NASCAR. I think in uh, the Recover X deal was in January and February was a NASCAR deal, right? Yep. That's a yep. lifetime of deals for most companies in your, how, did, how, what was your uh, perspective? How did you lean in so far and close that many humongous deals in such a short amount of time with every point of resistance against you? Yeah, so 2020 was actually the most exciting year in my career. And it's, it's crazy to say that, but I, I can tell you the story of 2020. So we acquired Normatech in March three days before the pandemic hit, right? Three or four days before the pandemic. So we actually traveled out to Boston with a limited group of our leadership team. That's where Normatech was based. 